0: The five biblical principles of the Bible. There is an urgent need to understand and to count on and live the five biblical principles of the Bible. These biblical principles were known of old in the churches of the Vaudois, the Waldenses, the Bohemians, and many others in the course of history but at the reformation they stood out precisely and clearly the five biblical principles that brought the greatest revival that the world has ever seen these principles are the following before the all holy god we know truths and faith and morals by which we can be saved on the authority of the Bible alone. We are saved before the same All-Holy God by grace alone. Through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and to God alone be glory, majesty, and power. These five great Reformation Principles These are needed in our day because very many have no idea what the Reformation stood for or any inkling of what these five principles are. And it is the opposite. We have new evangelicals heading Romeward at a massive speed and in great numbers. In the New York Times, on May the 30th, 2004, there was an article proclaiming to all of America and all who read that newspaper that it was ten years since evangelicals and Catholics together had been published, and for the most part this was changing Christendom. 1994, Twenty leading evangelicals, together with twenty prominent Catholics, signed a document called Evangelicals and Catholics Together, where they recognized each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace was said to be conferred, and baptism was highlighted. And the Word of God was demoted in that document that saw moral needs at the hour as most urgent and wrote off the very gospel that is the gospel of grace. The beginning of apostasy in alignment with apostasy that hit the United States of America. And the names continue to be famous. Chuck Colson, Richard Newhouse, J.I. Packer, Bill Bright, Mark Noel from Wheaton College. Famous evangelicals conceding the very principles of the Reformation. It was worse in 1997 where they produced another document to say that grace is conferred and dismissed, as it were, the the biblical word of imputation, credited or reckoned. And it was, by God's grace that it is so, it was inherently in in a person who was conferred with God's grace, leaving place for the Catholic sacraments. Again, leading evangelicals, J.I. Packer, Again, a leading reform man, and introduced by Timothy George, who was supposed to be the leading man of the Reformation in the Founders Movement of the Southern Baptists, denying the very faith of the Reformation. That's why we need it in our day to return to the five biblical principles. That same Timothy George was one responsible in having a a conference with the famous John Armstrong of Reformation and Revival. It had been a Biblical Revival magazine and has an internet web page. And after that conference, John Armstrong has embraced the very doctrines of Evangelicals and Catholics together. The disasters of what is happening in our own time. Quite recently Mark Knoll together with Carolyn Nistrom published a book Is the Reformation Over? An Evangelical Assessment of Contemporary Catholicism. Again a writing off of the five biblical principles. The same Mark Knoll who had signed Evangelicals and Catholics together. There's a new movement, put it in a search engine on the internet, Christian Churches Together, and you'll be horrified what comes up. They talk about historical churches coming together and the need to come together, and it includes Roman Catholicism. Very popular across the United States of America, with conferences being held continually and television shows. And much more, paraphernalia, is behind another movement called the Coming Home Network, and I quote from the webpage, their purpose, to provide fellowship, encouragement, and support to pastors and laymen of other traditions, Protestant, Orthodox, etc., who are somewhere along the journey or have already converted to the Catholic Church. Archic, the letters for the Anglo-Roman Catholic International Commission, was how England was devastated in 1967 and 1977 at Keel and Nottingham with J. I. Packer and John Stott, uniting there in a false ecumenism 17 years before. Evangelicals and Catholics together. And this continues to make ground as it is endorsed by Evangelicals and Catholics together. We have leading men of the PCA, Presbyterian Church, which is supposed to be the conservative wing of Presbyterianism, who have become Roman Catholic apologists. It is about fourteen at the moment, the most famous are Scott Hahn and Jerry Matadix, and there are many more like them, parading Roman Catholicism and decrying the very principles that they once, at least intellectually, once held to. It is really sad that in our own days, the great Reformation churches, such as the PCA, are now inundated as other Reformation churches are with what is called a new perspective where justification is seen in a different way it is a uniting with the covenant rather than in the person of Christ in an act of grace and with the Auburn theology section of the new perspective infant baptism is the union that we have with Christ, whereby a person is regenerated. This signifies that the, the highway is opened in what were renowned Reformation churches, called Reformed churches. It is now sad to see some of these churches having conferences where Catholics speak and Orthodox, and some of the, like the PCA men, It is really sad. It's heartbreaking why we need to understand and live out the five biblical principles of the Bible. And if that were not enough, we have the whole church growth movement, the Rick Warrens of the world, and many more, defying all five principles. And we have the emerging church movement going into mysticism, which is part and parcel of Catholicism with contemplative prayer and the Richard Fosters of the world and many more following him who are leaving aside as it were the mediatory work of Christ to come into this union through contemplative prayer. It is, it is depressing to the nth degree We need reformation and we pray that God will give us revival. Because it has always been in the days of Judah that when things were worse that God raised up like a Hezekiah. It was always when it looked impossible that we saw the changing by the grace and power of God. Even the reformation itself was sick in sin and wickedness. When all across Europe God raised up men who were dead in sin to become leaders. So in the face of all the apostasy around us, we have confidence in the God of grace that we can understand and live the five biblical principles and pray for a great revival in our day in the midst of what looks like the worst apostasy that has ever hit this earth. So we go to these five Biblical principles. The first principle is to do with the authority of Scripture. That it is by the written word of God we know truth and come into contact with truth and are convicted by the truth. As Christ Jesus said, Thy word is truth. In John seventeen seventeen, and Christ Jesus said in John chapter ten verse thirty five, Scripture cannot be broken. We have reached the absolute that cannot be gainsaid. The written word, not hearsay, not tradition. It's Scripture, what is written down. The word of God cannot be broken. That is the absolute. And the Apostle Paul summarizes: "We are not to think above what is written." In First Corinthians, and gave us the wonderful declaration of the sufficiency of Scripture in Second Timothy, chapter three: "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine." for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, the absolute sufficiency of the written word of God. And it was this that grieved the heart of Christ Jesus, because the Pharisees, the devout and religious men of his own day, equally loved their tradition the doctrines of men instead of the doctrine of God in the written word and Christ Jesus called them white of sepulchers blind leaders of the blind and he said making the word of non-effect through your tradition Christ Jesus castigated and rebuked those who equally loved tradition we will read what the official teaching of the Catholic Church is on this first principle what the Catholic Church has got to say about the Bible so that we can see more readily the glory of the biblical principle how it is and not how it is contradicted I am using this book the Catechism of the Catholic Church it is a book that was compiled by the present Pope when he was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger Under the authority of the last Pope, it is the official first hand documentation of the Catholic Church in their own translation from Latin into English. It is made out precisely in paragraph numbers and not page numbers so that you can easily quote from the different sections. Paragraph 80. Eight zero of the new catechism. Sacred tradition and sacred scripture then are bound closely together and communicate one with another. Catholic Church says there's some type of a communication going on between sacred tradition that is put first and sacred scripture. Jude said the faith was once delivered to the saints. The word of God is a final document not communicating with anything. It's God's word. The following paragraph 81 continues and holy tradition transmits in its entirety the word of God which has been entrusted to the apostles by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is put last instead of first. It is the Holy Spirit that transmits the word of God, convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is the spirit of truth. Holy men speak as they are moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Spirit's work to transmit the written word of God and not any so-called holy tradition delivered to anybody, any society, or any institution, or church. This is the Holy Spirit's work uniquely from the pages of scripture that guides us into all truth and the word that he has given. The conclusion comes in paragraph 82. As a result, the Church does not derive her certainty about all revealed truths from the Holy Scriptures alone. Both scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. Catholic Church tells their people they are to equally have devotion and reverence to tradition that they have to the scripture. Now when we consider what the scripture is, it portrays the mind of God. We can think God's thoughts after him. We have contained in print the mind of God. And so the love we show this is unique because it's from God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit showing us his very mind and intent. We do not love or show devotion or reverence to any other book or writing or hearsay as we do the written word of God. It is like the love of a man and a woman. husband and wife is on a unique level a man does not love any other woman like he loves his wife this statement is like a husband saying to a wife well you know I love you honey and I have devotion and reverence for you but it so happens that there's a lady down the street and I have love and reverence for her equally what would you think of him say he's an adulterer the Catholic Church says emphatically that they have an adulterous love both scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence they don't even tell you what tradition is you can sort of make it out when you see tradition quoted but they don't tell you the very many books of the Greek and Latin fathers the council of the church and the sayings and doings of the saints you can count maybe 150 volumes of all sorts of things that you could say are quoted as tradition but they don't tell you that you are to equally love tradition as you do the written word of God that's taking the kingdom of God from people that's the very thing that the Pharisees they shut up heaven against the people the Catholic Church has taken the foundation away whereby we can know what salvation is all about, and it is utterly heartbreaking. If we are to see revival, we speak about, live out, and talk about this first principle. This is the first principle of evangelism and of witnessing in our daily life. We bring people to a knowledge of what scripture says, that the truth of God is in God's written word alone we praise God that the Holy Spirit foresaw all of this and gave us the written word of truth and we need it in face of the new evangelicals who add their own traditions their love of psychology and put it as a preference to the written word of God their love for business techniques like in the church growth movement and their love for images of Christ as if the written word needed to be supplemented by pictures and videos. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the evangelicals do something like, but not as explicitly clear as the Catholic Church, as they do not see that all revival, all, all change of people's lives and waking them from dead death to life comes on the authority that we have the certainty of the written word. This is the first and most essential principle of the Reformation and where all great revivals began. If you read histories of revival by people like Ian Murray you will see that again and again he will note that it was getting back to this first principle, the scripture alone the Bible alone as the absolute authority. The second principle, equally important, is that we are saved by the all-holy God, by his graciousness alone. And to realize how important this is, and to get as it were the backdrop so we see the glory of grace the scripture tells us again and again the condition of man. He is dead in trespasses and sins. He is utterly without hope in himself. All falls short of the glory of God. Christ Jesus said that from within the human heart come forth wickedness, lasciviousness, and every, every evil. The Lord himself showing that the human heart Is a place from which come out wickedness. It is not a place to initiate any, anything that would come closer to God. And with that backdrop, Christ Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Showing the need for God's grace to quicken us. And that That which is born of the flesh is flesh that was born of the spirit is spirit. We need to be quickened and awakened by the grace of God to show us that we are dead in trespasses and sins. And then to show us the glory of the biblical answer in Romans 3.24 being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The one time act of God, justified, declared right before God by His graciousness and in the payment that Christ Jesus made. The wonder of the graciousness of our God, summarized in. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God's grace. This is the wonder of who it is. And summarized by the Apostle Paul as he brings both parts together, the backdrop And the grace of God in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. The glory of God's graciousness. That this is who our God is. A gracious God, to directly save us with the act of justification. The Catholic Church is quite different when it comes to grace. They mention the word, but continually they give as a backdrop mankind as wounded in trespasses, wounded in sin. Like the Gaudium of Space document keeps coming back to that concept man's dignity is wounded and he can decide his own destiny. He is as if in chains. They have all this terminology in their documents. And it is summarized as it were in the Catechism paragraph 2021, 20, gives a definition of grace. Quotation, grace is the help God gives us to respond to our vocation of becoming his adopted son, sons. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Trinitarian life. Grace is the help that God gives us to respond, it presupposes we are good enough to respond. So it presupposes that you are simply wounded, you are incapacitated, you need some sort of a need, a help. That is demoting the grace of God, it is debasing who our God is in his graciousness, the riches of grace, the abundance of grace. All the, the explanations of grace in the Bible are who our God is. He is not reduced to being a help that you can somehow use because you have the capability of responding. And then this so-called help comes by grace in the seven sacraments. 1129 of the Catechism, The Church affirms that for believers the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. Sacramental grace is the grace of the Holy Spirit given by Christ and proper to each sacrament. Necessary for salvation are seven physical signs called sacraments. That you cannot be saved without them. And they say that this power that comes through these seven signs when you turn them on, you know, the priest baptizes a baby or says I absolve you or whatever else he does in the seven sacraments that that power is Holy Ghost power. That is the most horrendous blasphemy that anybody could ever say. That the power that they have in their traditional seven sacraments are Holy Spirit power. It is God that sends forth the Holy Spirit the Father in Heaven and Christ Jesus it is not a faucet to be turned on and off by any church in their rituals it is who our God is this is who our God is and why we need to come back to grace pray more and more that your eyes will be open to the graciousness of our God and the wonder of who he is. We need this principle in face of the new evangelicals because for them the Catholic definition is the way they live. Grace is the help. They're looking to themselves to make their decisions and to accept Jesus into their heart and to commit their life to God or give their life to God all man's way. They are Basically, looking to themselves while they talk about grace, we have so much of a watered down Catholicism. No wonder evangelicals are joining with Catholics because they have a similar understanding of grace being a help. Grace is who our God is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is who our God is. And we come back again and again. To the glory of grace that we will sing and praise God for all eternity in heaven. The third great reformation principle that was a biblical principle is we are saved by faith alone. It is only faith, God's gift to us. As we saw in the verse we quoted, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, faith is the gift of God. It is God's gift. We're told also in Philippians, it is given unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It is something given by God. God gives us faith. In my own life, 48, when I was 48 years old, I cried out to God for faith. Because I knew that there was nothing of myself that I could do. Faith is a gift of God, and the object is God and the person of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul proclaimed, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy house. The object is Jesus Christ and his finished work. This is so brilliantly clear when we study the pages of Scripture of what is the means or the conduit by which the grace of God comes to us. It is the gift of faith. This is the means or conduit by which we lay hold of, of the grace of God. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to thy cross I cling. Nothing of myself, it's God's gift and you would wonder how anybody could put a spin on this to show something different. The Catholic Church will say words about believing in Christ, but they put a twist on it that is emphatic. Catechism, quotation, paragraph 168. The Church It is the Church that believes first, and so bears, nourishes, and sustains my faith. Mother Church believes before you do, and she is going to bear and sustain your faith. The following paragraph 169, salvation comes from God alone, but because we receive the gift, the life of faith through the Church, she is our mother. Faith has a mother in the Catholic Church. Paragraph 181, Believing is an ecclesial act. The church's faith precedes, engenders, supports and nourishes our faith. The church is the mother of all believers. No one can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. You cannot believe on God and Christ Jesus unless the church is your mother. And they say they engender faith. They give life. Or quicken what faith is. That is an absolute sacrilegious talk before God and his written word. Absolute. Utterly an abomination before God. That any church could say they engender faith. Faith is the gift of God. It comes from God. It's given unto us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God through the scriptures. How precious it is. And we pray that we would understand more and more this principle, the third of the great principles. Because it's not only the Catholics, again, it's the evangelicals. They have put a cloud over and confused the gift of God. It is as if they could say with the Catholic Church we engender faith. You come to the Crusades where they whip up faith with music and with all types of entertainment and they have people moving forward so that you can come to that faith that they have engendered. The real sadness in history starting with Finney And then famous names like Billy Sunday and Billy Graham in her own day. Trying to engender faith. I remember listening to Billy Graham on the radio in Trinidad. And wondering how anyone could say that. And I was an unsaved Catholic priest. And I wondered. At faith as it was proclaimed by him. One of his famous sermons ended with there was a vote made against you when Adam sinned and a vote made for you when Christ died you cast the deciding vote that is your own man-made faith and that is not what biblical faith is all about and that's typical of modern evangelicalism where they look like they can whip up faith and It is a watering down of the principle that it's faith itself is a gift of God. It is not under the control of any church in its techniques or music or drama. It is the gift of God. It is so sad to see the age in which we live, but we pray for revival as we would study and see clearer and clearer What faith is in the scripture. The fourth biblical principle that salvation is in Christ alone, in some ways I think is crucial to our age and has most of all gone by the wayside in our own age. It is the principle that is most needed the present day. The scriptures continually speak about salvation in Christ. If you go to your Bible and read Ephesians 1 and 2 and underline what Paul says about Christ in those chapters, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. And go to now in him, in whom, accepted in the beloved, each time that salvation in Christ is mentioned, you will count 42 times. It's right through the Apostle Paul. Life is hid with Christ and God. It is right through. It's right through the teachings of the Apostle John in the glorious Gospel of John, in the first letter of John. This is the record. John says in John 5, God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. The glory of seeing emphatically where where we are positioned as we come to salvation we were chosen in him created in Christ Jesus were made the righteousness of God in him we're crucified with Christ we've died with him we are buried with him we are quickened in him by the spirit and accepted in the beloved and on and on it's Paul's own testimony that I may be found in him not having my own righteousness This is the glory of salvation in Christ. It is right through the Old Testament and declared in the Old as well. One shall say in that day, my righteousness is in him, Isaiah could say. Speaking of him who was to come. And so much of the Old Testament even saw in advance that the salvation was not in the human heart. It was in the Messiah who was to come. God our righteousness in the words of Jeremiah the Catholic Church sees it quite differently they see it as inherently inside yourself that you are justified in your own heart or person from paragraph 1992 of the New Catechism they say the following justification is conferred in baptism the sacrament of faith It conforms us to the righteousness of God who makes us inwardly just by the power of his mercy. It's inward. Sanctifying grace is in the human heart. The constant phraseology of the Catholic Church and all of us who were Catholics would remember it so well. We were looking for more and more sanctification like going to a gas station to be filled with sanctifying grace it was a process continually going on and you could lose it and get it back again and on and on it was inside in the scriptures it's in Christ and Christ alone it is really sad in modern evangelicalism is the exact same thing they misuse Revelation 20 verse 20 uh, chapter 3 you know the Behold, I stand at the door and knock a sanctification text to the Church of Laodicea, making as if sanctification is in the human heart. Accept Christ into your heart. And on and on, modern evangelicals seeing salvation within the human heart, except in the not in the person of Christ. It is utterly saddening when we see what modern evangelicalism stands for, but we know the Lord, and we know that salvation is in Him, and we take great glory that if there is to be a revival, it is as we study, meditate on, and live out the truth that salvation is in Him. Because you are accepted righteously in Him, you live as a son or daughter of the kingdom. Because we understand this biblical truth. And this is what we say when we go door to door. Can you be accepted into Christ? It's the other way around that the new evangelicals give it. We put it the biblical way. Can you be accepted in the beloved? We proclaim this biblical principle. The fifth principle is equally glorious. And it is to God only be the glory. The glory of God and the majesty of God in salvation, all principles are coming together in this final principle. In the exalted Lord Jesus Christ alone is praise and worship to the Almighty God. As he ministers in the sanctuary on high, we praise God in him. And we give praise to God only and worship and veneration to God alone the Catholic Church of course sees it differently they have a man that they venerate and his official name in the documents is the most holy Roman Pontiff Holy Father and Vicar of Christ where they venerate a man on earth and they also venerate Mary showing Worship to her as the All-Holy One in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and declare that she is the source of All-Holiness the model and source they see salvation also in her who is the cause of salvation for herself and for the whole world again official words of the Catholic Church this is an abomination and the glory of God is clouded and absolutely darkened when it comes to idolatry. The second commandment is to uphold the glory of God, that we show no honor or reverence to an image as if it could portray the Godhead. We do not make, in the first place, or show any reverence to or honor to an image. It was what Aaron did when he wanted to have a feast to the God of Israel. He made the golden calf so that he could go through it to the God of Israel. This is an abomination before God. God hates idolatry. The Catholic Church says that God uses images so that we can venerate the prototype that they portray. A very speaking against This beautiful principle. And in New Evangelicalism, you have the Jesus video that has become like a flag or symbol of New Evangelicals coming together with Catholics. The flag is the Jesus video where you have a wrong message wedded together to idolatry, like we saw also in the Mel Gibson movie. And it goes on and on, evangelicals and some fundamentalist churches giving in and not recognizing this fifth biblical principle. We pray in the midst of all of this for revival, and I ask that you live these principles and pray it with an urgency. We see before us, like Ezekiel saw, the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, and we remember God's promise in the previous chapter. Verse 37, I would that my people would inquire of me of this, of pouring forth the Spirit, giving new life, and breathing on the dead bones that they would rise up a mighty army unto the Lord. The Son of Man breathes forth the word. Christ Jesus, the exalted Lord, breathes forth the word, and dry bones come alive like they did at the Reformation. We will only see dry bones come alive if we're true to these five biblical principles, with all our mind, soul, and body. And that is my prayer for you, to be filled with the Spirit of the living God, so that we can, in our daily life, proclaim these, and see true revival in our day. And to God be praised, glory, worship, and honor, now and forevermore. Amen and amen.
1: Praise God.